0: The views and opinions expressed during this program do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of WHIO and Cox Media Group. This hour is sponsored by There is a Season. This is WHIO's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everybody. Dayton is our number one priority. You know that. And as news breaks, we'll break in anytime. Dayton's all news and talk is 1290-957-WHIO. There is a season, down.
1: Welcome to another edition of There is a Season with Bob and Gloria. This is the show about how we change, how we age, and how we care for one another. I'm Bob Wolf.
2: And I'm Gloria Shanahan. Thanks for spending some time with us.
1: So several months ago, when we were all still dealing with the first shock of COVID-19 and all of the attendant restrictions and lockdowns and other limitations, we had done some shows that really focused on the frustration and sadness a lot of us have felt not being able to visit our loved ones in assisted living and nursing home communities.
2: Yes, and we also talked in one of those shows about some of the positive things we can do to help maintain that connection to our loved ones and shut-ins in general. Some of us have been fortunate to take advantage of technology with Zoom meetings or calls facilitated by staff at these communities. And I know a lot of us have also taken the time to write letters and cards knowing that there's just something precious about a physical piece of paper
1: there definitely is and especially for older people in their in those generations they they've always appreciated the card and the letter and a lot of us don't do that they love to
2: get mail they really do they get very excited to say is there anything other than you know the junk mail
1: now today and next week we'll be circling back to touch on both of these themes with next week's program focused on thanks and giving and presence of all kinds for our vintage citizens, whether they're in continuing care communities or not, or whether we're simply more limited in our ability to share time with them in person because of concerns about their health and safety. But today's show is going to be a little bit different. It's gonna have some recap on what's occurred thus far this year and a look at how COVID-19 is going to change our future.
2: We begin today with an article that appeared recently in the Wall Street Journal by author Anne Turgeson. It not only reinforces what a lot of us have already experienced this past year, but it raises important questions for all of us and for the planning and care of ourselves and our needs going forward. This is stuff that should really make us all think, like we say at the start of every program, of how we're going to age in this country. And the article begins like this. As the pandemic wreaks havoc on our mental and physical health, it is also quietly reshaping how Americans will face retirement and old age in the years to come. The virus is bringing sweeping change, mainly by accelerating developments already underway, says physician and businessperson Bill Thomas. For example, isolation of older people has long been a problem, but COVID is focusing attention on the issue and adding urgency to address it. Some
1: changes in store will be stressful. Rising government deficits and falling bond yields are creating so much uncertainty about financing retirement that most people who can continue to work will. And for as long as possible, says Laura Karstensen, director of Stanford University's Center on Longevity. She says, it's going to make people rethink retirement altogether. Other developments will be welcome. For instance, more people will age at home where most adults say they want to remain. I think the figure is close to 90% or 91%. There'll be a boom in innovations improving life in later years. We've talked about a lot of that, Mm -hmm. even up into including, uh, not that it's our favorite theme, but we've talked about robotic caregivers, you know, even coming into our home as technology improves. Right. But COVID has given us reason to reflect more on our mortality and really brought focus to how we want to plan for living and for dying in a more deliberate fashion. Lessons learned from this virus may help us combat ageism. Surveys and studies indicate that older adults are coping emotionally better than younger generations, which may help us recognize the resilience and strength of older adults. Have you seen that too? I think. I've sensed a little bit of that, too, that the older um, older folks seem to be kind of chalking this up to history, like we've seen these crises before.
2: Yes, I, I have a friend that has often, uh, often made the statement, this, these last two generations are less resilient spiritually, physically, and mentally. They're weak. And is Which... that due to how we parented them? You know, the ease of life that we've created for them, that when a problem or a challenge does come forth... They personally don't know how to handle it.
1: And, you know, without getting into too many age markers, I sometimes even wonder about our own generation here. We are so attuned to the news and to technology and the ups and downs of what's going on there. You know, we're in this sandwich generation. We worry about our younger people. We worry about people older than ourselves. And I sometimes wonder how strong we are in dealing with a lot of this that's going on. It's not for us uh just one more chapter in history it seems to be so in our face that it's it's really caused a lot of anxiety for people
2: yes for many it has definitely so with about 40 percent of covid related deaths in the United States occurring in long-term care facilities the disease has exposed quote how shockingly inadequate our care infrastructure and systems are and how essential access to home care is um says agent pooh who is an advocate for caregivers now that recognition should have two different but beneficial effects fewer but better nursing homes and more resources to help people actually age at home
1: this is uh, from the article how covid 19 will change aging and retirement uh, from the wall street journal as the government raises regulatory standards on nursing homes industry watchers are saying that 30 percent or more of us could file, oh, excuse me, of the nursing homes could file for bankruptcy. According to Sarah Slocum, who's the co-director of the program to improve elder care at Altarum, a nonprofit healthcare consulting group, she says, you will see a lot more focus on aging at home and figuring out how to shift the financial incentives to make that work. And, um, a lot of people have been kind of talking about this, you know, or have a lot of people staying at home. But there's this question uh, that COVID has raised about the continued viability of nursing homes around the country.
2: Right, and the article goes on to state that community-based programs are going to expand, including the program of all-inclusive care for the elderly, which is a Medicare-sponsored service that is currently helping 50,000 people with such needs as medical services, daycare, home care, and transportation. Now, the program cost Medicare and Medicaid in an average of about $7,000 per person per month versus 9,000 per person for nursing homes.
1: Still sounds like a lot, right?
2: But when you're saving $2,000 a month, you know, per person that takes advantage of this program, well, they're gonna start looking at that.
1: Other researchers have, weighing in on this topic have also predicted that federal and state governments will expand programs, including one under Medicaid that will pay some family caregivers. Okay, I think this would be welcome news for some people, you know, typically an adult child. That's always been a, uh, the crux of a problem for a lot of people, maybe in this sandwich generation, and maybe even not in the sandwich generation. They've got some job they're doing, got some career, and it becomes an either-or as opposed to some means of being able to you know, make an income in the, in the course of providing care. And generally the amount will depend on the assessment of an elderly individual's needs, as well as the average wage for home care aides in that state and the geographic region in, what, in which one lives. We'll talk more about this a little bit later. Yeah. There's a great deal of difference between what somebody might be making in one profession and what somebody might be making as a home care aide. So it doesn't solve this problem but it does open up some possibilities.
2: Yeah. And um, you know, the pandemic has definitely shown the light on the inadequacy of the average $17,000 annual income of home health aides, many of whom are working without health care, hazard pay, or child care. The trend toward more aging at home will also favor smaller elder care arrangements like the nonprofit Greenhouse Project which was started by a Dr. Thomas and promotes senior living in small home-like cooperative settings. There are some such 300 homes in dozens of states. These house up to 12 residents and typically feature like open floor plans, large dining room tables, fireplaces, and porches.
1: It's something you've kind of described in previous programs, right? You were familiar with Yeah,
2: that. where I'm from, that is more common. And it's, it's nice. It's, it's a much different living arrangement than just the private rooms so um, data gathered by the university of north carolina and this greenhouse project show that 94 or more of the homes certified to provide skilled nursing care did remain virus free through this past august now these are these smaller communities where there's only about 12 residents
1: right and in generally smaller uh, staff totals so you have less changeover going on with the staffing you have a less smaller movement. physical plant right uh, so it does give you a little bit more contained environment and it's not to say that traditional sized nursing homes are gonna go away immediately, but we're talking about potential changes here down the road that have come about as a result of, of going through this COVID-19 crisis. Right. A Movement away from these nursing homes might prompt Americans to also rethink other forms of age segregated housing, it says in this article, including 55 plus communities and uh, other kinds of environments. Age segregation has not prepared us well for living longer lives. Uh, with relatively little day-to-day contact between younger generations and elders what have we been saying right along right um, uh, uh, mr friedman who weighs in on this he's the president of encore.org of nonprofit profit uh, group he says with relatively little day-to-day contact between younger generations and elders each life stage we move into we are utterly unprepared for
2: um i want to just make a comment bob when we were talking about these a these 55 and up communities i mean you look at places such as the villages in florida and some places out in arizona they work really well everything's all condensed in one big area you've got the grocery stores you have got doctors on premise i think more of these will will pop up in other parts of the country
1: as as the saying goes necessity is the mother of invention right so when enough people want it and an awful lot of people moved to florida over the last several decades And some Uh, of it's
2: for weather, obviously, but they also like to be around their own. And once they're there,
1: they will come up with the community that they want. That's right. But that's not always the case in other parts of the country.
2: Right, right.
1: So that's one of the uh, the big changes. Another change that's going to happen down the road is that older people will benefit from a technology boom. The pandemic and the aging of the population is contributing to a wave of innovation aimed at older adults.
2: Yes, specifically the country's experience of quarantining has spurred business women and men alike to think about what older people will need to age at home says katie Fike, a gerontologist and partner in generator ventures which is a venture capital firm that is focused solely on aging the most dramatic change underway is the growth in telemedicine facilitated in part by medicare's decision since march to expand reimbursement to doctors for those virtual visits
1: wearable devices and diagnostic tests for home use will provide doctors with key information, including patients' blood pressure and weight, and pave the way for better remote patient monitoring, says Dr. Fike. Now another person, Lori Orlov, who's a consultant who specializes in technology for older adults, says Amazon's forthcoming Care Hub, free on the Alexa app, will use voice technology to notify an emergency contact if a user is asking for help. So you can see here that, some of these innovations which we're we're becoming more familiar with uh really need to come faster and that they this COVID 19 has really generated i think the impetus for bringing these things to market making them affordable and getting people off of the old way of doing things so that they're more comfortable you know using these new tools to manage health
2: and there are a lot of these new tools they really are you can have an ekg at home um, and then on your phone, it sends a little record to your doctor now. So
1: I know somebody who had a pacemaker put in and the data is recorded on a regular basis, downloaded through the machine uh, without you know anything being intrusive at all.
2: You don't have to go anywhere, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so
1: there's a lot of things coming your way and we're interested in what you think is going to happen in the future. And uh, you can write to us at Bob and Gloria, There is a Season show, if you'd like to weigh in on, with changes that you see coming down the pike. We'll be back with more in just a moment.
2: You're listening to There is a Season on AM 1290 and 95.7 WHIO dayton's news and talk
0: it's an ask the expert weekend on dayton and springfield's 24-hour news weather and traffic station 1290 and 95 7 whio dayton's news and talk
1: welcome back to there is a season the bob and gloria show
2: he's bob and i'm gloria and, and lo- we want to thank you for being here don't we bob
1: i love that you actually fill that in all, all the time just
2: you've been forgetting just, this.
1: i know because introduce uh, you know, yourself i have a brain cramp there and it's kind of like you know
2: i'll carry it for I'm you here. don't worry
1: so she knows who I am. I know who she is. Most he doesn't time, know who he is, but... I, I don't know who I am. So that, that's, we're totally lost on that. We're talking here about the future of aging in this country, something we've been talking about for 10 years on our program. But COVID-19 has changed things a lot. We've talked about how it's changed some nursing home uh, situations and the plans people make for assisted living. We're going through a Wall Street Journal article today that talks about how COVID-19 will change aging and retirements by Ann Tergeson. We've talked about a couple of things already, but here's one that kind of surprised me here. Since lifespans have been ever increasing, researchers now are saying that lifespans will decline.
2: Right. And that is because of the long term effects. So they go on to say that with so many people dying of COVID, virus related deaths are projected to reduce the aggregate life expectancy of Americans aged 65 today by nearly a year. COVID-related lockdowns are also likely to reduce the life expectancies of those who avoid or survive the virus. Um, In addition to the long-term physical damage some COVID survivors offer, um, suffer, I'm sorry, the pandemic is undermining our ability to engage in activities associated with better health and longer lives, including socializing, exercising, and even helping others. And these are really important stages of life and particularly studies show for those in midlife and older.
1: And we've touched on this. This is where we've we've discussed some of this back during the summer. Studies have indicated that loneliness may be linked to a greater risk of death, cognitive decline, depression and heart disease. Sorry, this is not not good news, you know, to share all of this kind of stuff. We're we're being realists here. But as you're hearing some of this information today, we are hoping, Gloria and myself are are very much hoping, that you look at your own life and say, well, okay, if I don't want that for me, if I want things to be different for me and for my family, what are the things that I can do right now? That's really the purpose that we do this, this show. It's very much focused on the future and our relationships and how we change in age. Now, according to um, a survey by the Altarum Group, which I mentioned earlier, they uh, looked at 365 nursing home residents. And here's the sad thing: only 5% yeah. this summer reported having visitors three or more times a week versus 56% before the pandemic and This is no surprise, three quarters of them, 76% said they felt lonelier.
2: Yeah, but you know, Bob, technology can help overcome some of these problems, right? We know that, but online platforms like Zoom, I mean, I know it myself, they're far from a perfect substitute for human contact that we need. We're social beings and we need human contact
1: and and very often you know god bless them the the folks who help facilitate the zoom stuff and so forth can only hold a computer in so many different angles it's not the same as sitting in a room with somebody by any means or there's no touch involved you know and it's a
2: foreign it's a foreign piece of technology to so many of the people in this demographic they don't know that they're supposed to be looking into the screen or talking into the screen and they often can't comprehend well, that is someone I know on that screen. Why can't I
1: what, what are they get doing to them? What are yes. they doing? What's
2: going on? Where right. are they? Are they in the building somewhere? Especially with somebody with They're... more
1: dementia, they want to say, come yeah. here, come to my environment, it's still, and you can't.
2: It's, just, it's still a lonely experience, I believe.
1: So not the, not the greatest news here on all of this stuff, but again, like we said, look into your own lives and think about what you want to do going forward. We're going to be talking more about changes uh, in aging and retirement and your future. We'd love to know your thoughts on this and uh, we'll continue with more right after the news.
2: You're listening to There's a Season on AM 1290 and 957 WHIO Dayton's News and Talk.
0: WHIO This is WHIO's Brian Kilmead. Hi, this is Rush Limbaugh. This is my home. In the Miami Valley, Dayton is our number one priority. You know that, and as news breaks, we'll break in anytime. 1290, 957 WHIO.
1: Welcome to "There Is a Season," the show about how we change, how we age, and how we care for one another. I'm Bob
2: Wolf, and I'm his friend Gloria Shanahan.
1: <laughs> she's a she's a dear friend, and I help and him. A I help you in so many ways. Co-host in this program, you do, you you do, you keep me on my toes.
2: <laughs> no question do. about
1: it. We're talking today about uh, the differences we're going to face with aging and retirement post COVID nineteen. How will things look going forward? But first, I'd like to remind you that right now. We're in the middle of the annual enrollment period for Medicare, and as you heard recently on the program, there's no better resource center than our friends at Medicare Planning of Dayton. I urge you to forget the out-of-town 800 number services with football players or other celebrities and so forth. They can't really know the local terrain, the healthcare providers, the health insurers right here, plus all the myriad health plans and yearly changes like the team does at medicare planning of dayton
2: so if you want a no-cost no-pressure way to understand your options best with the help of a long-term professional team who will take the time to help you build the plan that's right for you then call jim chris or jody at medicare planning of dayton today and the number is nine three seven five zero four nine 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 that's five zero four nine 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 or you can reach them at medicareplanningofdayton.com
1: now today we've been talking again about how covid19 will change our aging and retirement the article is from the wall street journal and the author is ann turgeson and we've gone through a number of changes that i think all of us can anticipate not all of this is pleasant by any means but it does offer us some options to look forward and say okay well knowing that what do i want to have different in my life in my family if we can make any changes for our our, our current loved ones, that's you know all the better. But this is really a show about looking at our future and saying, okay, we've seen what's happened with the pandemic, how it's affected our, our relationships, how it's affected care. What do we wanna see different in our own lives? So one of the other items on this list um, is this should bring into focus that we, we could get a better handle on what we want to do with our time.
2: Right, working from home can provide a sense for what retirement might really look like. Now, some people are saying, no thanks, I want to continue to work. Some people, you know, like all of us, are exploring maybe some hobbies or something else to do in the much free time we have now. Many retirees are frustrated that the virus is interrupting plans to travel and see grandchildren or maybe just go on a trip. But the break from routine has also freed up time to as- access your plans, um, values, and the kind of legacies that we want to leave. Um, This man called George Kinder, he's the founder of the Kinder Institute of Life Planning. He says that more of his clients and the clients of financial advisors who train with him are reevaluating what's important in their lives and changing their plans.
1: To prompt his clients to clarify their goals for the future, he asks three questions. One, what would you do if you had all the time and money in the world? Stop and think about that. What would you do if you had all the time and money in the world, okay? You don't have any big needs, and you have this infinite runway, right? Two, how would you live if you knew you only had five to ten years left? Boy, does that start to crystallize things, huh? What would you do if you had five to ten years left? And then here's one that really socks you in the stomach. What would you most regret if you died tomorrow? You know, a little bit like that song, um... Uh, Tim McGraw did years ago about living like you were dying and so forth. Do do most of us have those things built into our minds? And right. he, he he makes the point here that COVID has essentially posed the same questions for a lot of us. The virus has enhanced the feeling that life is short, which is ordinarily something we are aware of occasionally. But this is a collective moment for the culture. It's a reckoning that the clock is ticking, and this uh, should. Encourage more conversation about how we're spending our remaining time here on this planet and spe- spe- specifically about our end of life wishes.
2: Yeah, what really matters is finding meaning and doing what really matters to us, and whether that is to be good to people or study classical music or make the world better through a commitment, maybe to a cause.
1: Yeah, we're also going to think more about whether we plan for our death. End of care life, excuse me, end of life care planning is something we put off. Okay, we've done shows before. We had Baker Hazel Snyder talking about end of life planning and so forth. Well, now some, some people are saying that, that it's brought into focus. You know, what do we wanna do for this here? Uh, end of life planning material, uh, downloads and information from a lot of um, uh, funeral homes and other providers have, have surged this year. And as difficult as it is to plan for death, experts say it's a crucial thing for people to prepare for. It can improve not only how we live our last days, but how our loved ones deal with our deaths. So uh, th- these are, again, good things to be thinking about.
2: Right, and you know um, many predict that the experience of living amid lockdowns may actually cause more people to think about this end of life care. And some undoubtedly will choose not to receive medical treatment that helps extend life, but that, also often negatively affects the quality of those extra days, especially if they can't even spend time with their family, right?
1: So another change that uh, is talked about in this article from Wall Street Journal, and and this is one that we're always talking about. I don't know if people do it or not, but it says here that COVID-19 will encourage us to embrace healthier lifestyles.
2: Yes, the older you are, the greater your statistical odds are of dying from the coronavirus. But underlying health problems including diabetes heart conditions and obesity are also as we all know significant risk factors such conditions can be caused by factors beyond our control including genetics obviously but diet and exercise also often play a role and the pandemic is helping raise awareness of the concept of biological age or the internal pace of aging and age is the number one cause of risk for mortality from COVID, but it's not chronicle age, it's this biological age, right?
1: As wearable devices become more prevalent, most of us or more of us will track measures of underlying health, including blood pressure and glucose levels. Medicine may eventually assist patients, uh, you know, a bio, for a certain biological age to help them make better informed decisions. Think about how, the impact of that too. You know, you struggle if you're on a diet or if you're trying to avoid sugars, or if you're trying to eat right, and you get to the point of saying well i've been good for so long and okay i'm going to reward myself i don't like this it feels you know too restrictive and so forth it would be very different if you did have a monitor on you at that moment telling you something now you you don't want to be over nanified you don't want you don't want all these restrictions so that you're constantly focused on your health you need to be able to have some fun but it would be better to to get some snapshots more frequently would it
2: Mm, yeah definitely definitely um so we may also bob going forward need to save more to retire so while stocks for now continue to perform fairly well lower bond yields caused by the pandemic might make it harder to make ends meet on a fixed income for years retirees have relied on the so-called four percent rule which says you can withdraw four percent from your savings in the first year of retirement and then give yourself, boy, this sounds nice, an annual raise to account for inflation without running a big risk of running out of money. But what does it say now, Bob?
1: Well, for somebody with a, a million-dollar portfolio- And, and that, you have to remember, a lot of people that, that, don't
2: have right, a million-dollar portfolio. So
1: so we're thinking here about a portion of people out there who have 401ks you know, of total value that by retirement time may be a million dollars or could be half a million dollars. but. The the formula at a million dollars produced an initial income of forty thousand dollars and assuming an inflation rate of two percent, an increase in year two to forty thousand eight hundred. Now again, these these dollars are all gonna be different for different people. But you've got to talk about here, as we've said in more generic ways in other programs. You might retire at 65, 64, 67, whatever it's going to be, 70, right? A lot of
2: people are waiting, yeah, till 72.
1: People are living longer despite coronavirus. The general trend is that people have been living well into their 70s, 80s, frequently 90s. And there's this question of, well, how much money am I going to have? And so this formula of 4% where you can start to take a portion of that retirement to live on is something you ought to be focused on. Look at your lifestyle and say, what can we get by with? Are we going to downsize from our house? Are we going to change this expense or change that expense? What can we get by with in the future uh, years? Because uh, without getting too much into the weeds about the money here, things are going to change. The other thing about our 401ks is that we may start to get more flexibility and they may morph in terms of the kinds of account that they are
2: yeah the economic crisis has shown that for many people the priority should be to build an emergency fund before putting money into a 401k where savings can be hard to access before retirement so david john who's a senior policy advisor at aarp says employers are ready are already starting to use a new kind of flexible savings account that lets workers funnel salary deferrals to more than one goal including emergencies in retirement Other future uses could include health care and college expenses. Mr. John predicts that once the accounts become popular, the government will apply the current tax advantage for retirement savings to these as well.
1: No surprise here. Um, There is also the assumption that we are going to be working longer. Since the 1990s, the percentage of people 55 and older in the labor force has risen steadily from 40% in 2019, uh, up from 29% in 1993. So in that short time, we've seen it rise quite a bit. So a lot of this is gonna change going forward in terms of how much money we have in the bank, how long we're gonna need to work to pay the bills and so forth, and again, we would urge you and we would to consider making changes today as a result of COVID-19 that somehow will better affect your future. We're going to talk a little bit more about this here on the other end when we come back, plus give you a tiny peek at what's coming up next on There is a Season. We'll be right back.
2: You're listening to There is a Season on AM 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk.
0: It's our Ask the Expert weekend on the Miami Valley radio station with breaking news, weather, and traffic. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk.
1: Welcome back to There is a Season. I'm Bob.
2: And I'm Gloria.
1: I remembered at that time.
2: You did, and I and, wasn't going to say anything. I think that I need to stimulate your own brain. <laughs> see, so I'm going to wait and see, see if, if
1: it... I had any growth in my head there. Right. We're talking today about how COVID 19 is going to change aging and retirement. We've gotten into some financial stuff, some medical stuff, some planning for our end of life, and all this kind of thing. Uh, but the article is by Ann Turgeson, Wall Street Journal. It appeared this month, if you'd like to read more detail about it. We had one last part of this article, which is something, again, we've also talked about in this program, and it's this.
2: Yeah, it's that our views on aging are going to definitely change. Coronavirus has, at least in the short term, reinforced ageist stereotypes, including the notion that older people are frail and should be segregated and isolated. The virus and the economic downturn are also inflaming intergenerational conflict some younger people see older people as the reason they have to sacrifice right
1: do a whole show on this
2: (laughs) and yeah now at the same time in some instances younger people are being blamed for being irresponsible with regard to their behavior and social distancing right um so the pandemic has also unleashed countervailing trends that may ultimately change our views of aging for the better
1: Well, ironically, for all of this frustration, uh, we still ended up having two folks in their 70s who are competing for the presidency. Joe Biden is 77. I think the uh, President Trump is 74, I want to say, 73, somewhere in there, which is, uh, you know, maybe that's frustrating younger people. But it is, you know, and I said we could do a whole show on this. We are talking more here in terms of generational conflict, and it's going to have an impact on everything how we uh, how we treat each other, how we finance things, how we put money toward retirement and healthcare and all of those kinds of things. And it will be a challenge going forward to see how we wrestle with some of these issues. So again, um, check out this article. It should be a real good thing for you to, you know, prompt some conversation around in your house. Now, coming up on there is a season. We've got some other shows coming in the pike. One is the science and art of critical thinking and ethics. Are these things being taught anymore? Critical thinking and ethics.
2: Do our young people learn any of this stuff? Yeah, we have a show coming up on conversation starters. How to get people talking or how to get talking yourself. It's not so easy if you're not a radio blabbermouth like Bob.
1: Like Gloria. And also we're gonna talk about, are we a melting pot anymore, like you learned back in school? Or are we something else, like a collection of soon to be warring tribes? What does the future hold for all of us here societally? And uh, been an awful uh, look at how things have, have changed here over the summer in terms of unrest and so forth. What do some people view for our future and what do you view going forward? If you like what you heard today, please send us a note to tell us what we was good, what we missed, how many times I forgot my name, and, and all of that. Just drop us a note to
2: Bob and Gloria at thereisaseasonshow.com or check out our In Touch tab on our website.
1: That's going to do it for us today. Remember, dear friends, seek grace in every step, live with purpose, and make this an everyday count. For my dear friend, Gloria Shanahan, our terrific producers, and everyone who makes the show possible, thanks for your time, attention, and interest to what we're doing here. We hope you'll join us again soon. You've been listening to There is a Season on AM 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Have a blessed week.
0: It's our Ask the Expert weekend on the Miami Valley radio station with breaking news, weather, and traffic. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. WHIO Dayton, WHIO FM Pleasant Hill, a Cox Media Group station from the CJSHeatingAndAir.com studios. You call, we come, it's fixed.